Mac Power Users, Episode 452, Developer Roundtable for 2018. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside my pal, David Sparks. Hey, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. I'm excited today. It's Developer Roundtable Day. It is. So uh, we are going to uh, dispense with our normal introductory announcements and get straight to our guests because uh, we've got a great panel, as always, returning, I think, for the third time. Is that is that, I think, where we are? I think that's right. Yeah, uh, we have a group of stellar developers and and quite good friends of ours uh, who are, are joining us here on the roundtable. Um, I guess I'll just go down the the line and introduce them. Um, but we uh, we have Ken Case who is here from the Omni Group. Welcome, Ken. Uh, thank you for inviting me. Uh, Dave Tier from uh, One Password. Hello, it's uh, great to be here. Uh, and Greg Scown from uh, Smile. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. You know, I think a few years ago when we first had you guys on, we figured out the number of decades of development experience between the three of you. And I, I don't think we should do that again because, you know, it starts to get <laughs> weird after a while. But it's that now plus six because we've done this like three times. So it's it's really uh, it's really great to have you guys here. You know, the Mac Power Users audience are not necessarily a lot of people that are real active in the development community. We're power users. We're people that want to use your stuff to get our work done and go home early. And it's really great having you on uh, once a year to come in and kind of share how things are going on your end and, and where you see all this stuff going as that big fruit company in Cupertino makes changes and moves. Well, this is one of our favorite things that I think <laughs> leads to do is to, uh, is to talk with uh, folks who are, who are using our software and, and getting good use out of it. So, so thank you. We probably should put an obligatory disclosure right up front. Um, these three companies were probably the first three companies. I think you were the first three companies that sponsored Mac Power users, and we've been very kind to have you continue with us through today. Um, this show is not sponsored by either of your companies, and you were not asked on this show because your company sponsor um, the show, um, but because you represent a very wide swatch of um, developers because you do a whole lot of interesting things both on the Mac and iOS and we think that you all have a lot that you can share with our audience so I guess we just got to get because you know the lawyers got to get that disclosure out of the way <laughs> yeah and I would even add that further that none of them asked to be on the show we we kind of bully them into it every year so <laughs> uh, we get many developers asked to be on our show there's only a few that we ask to be on the show and the, these are some really smart people so um, with that in mind, something that I think is on everyone's mind uh, in 2018 is what is the divide between Mac and iOS? You know, iOS started out as this cool little operating system that Apple made for a phone that was somewhat limited, but still pretty amazing. But then over the years, it has just slowly been growing into this thing. Uh, so much so that people are openly discussing what is the difference between the Mac and iOS and where the future is. And I thought for this first group of questions, it would be good to kind of get your guys thought on that and where things may be going. So I guess we'll start with Ken. Um, you know, with Omni Group, I know you guys were primarily, well, actually you were Next developers, but <laughs> eventually you became Mac developers. And like I remember going into the software store and buying my Omni Outliner in a box so many years ago when um, when the iPhone was just a glint in Steve Jobs' eye. And uh, But Omni has really um, been very aggressive from the very beginning about developing not only for Mac, but also for iOS. 
Um, where do you see that fit, not only just for your company, but for the future of us power users? Sure. Well, it, it evolves, I guess, our perspective on that as the platform evolves. You know, when the, we wanted to be on the iPhone when it came out, of course, and, and we had one app in the, on the iPhone on day one. But we didn't bother with our other sort of content creation apps, Omni Outliners and Omni Graffle or OmniPlan, until the iPad came out and we had a bigger screen and suddenly it made more sense to be doing uh, things like creating diagrams and creating larger outlines. Now, since then, uh, we've turned all of our apps into universal apps so that they also work on the phones, and phones have gotten bigger than, than they were back then. But uh, but I I see it as a great uh, device that you know lives in your pocket or lives in your uh, bag. It's easy to bring around with you, and it has you know a lot more power than those old Next Cubes did. So it's... Uh, the uh, the big downsides from my point of view are are sort of the same as the upsides, right? They're they're much more mobile platforms, so that means they're not uh, they're they don't have a big thirty inch screen that uh, that I can spread out and do a bunch of work on. So uh, as a developer, I tend to, and a power user, you know, I tend to use a lot of screen real estate, and that's not something I uh, I get on the iOS platform, but. Uh, but it's a platform that I can bring with me to a meeting a lot more easily than I can bring that 30 inch monitor. Yeah. It'd look kind of silly carrying a 27 inch iMac into a meeting. <laughs> right. Although I, I'd be tempted to try it at least once. <laughs> it depends who I'm meeting with. You know, if I don't want to look at them, it'd be great wall between us. How, how about, if I leave some at the meeting. <laughs> how about you, Dave? Cause I know like one password really, um, I mean, it's, it's, you gave it wings when you, got mo mobile with your application and it's it really seems to me like a, a natural fit for you guys but but a lot has happened i mean what are your thoughts about it now yeah it's uh you know it's it's quite interesting just to uh watch ios evolve you know over the years and you know i, I think just as developers we do tend to think in terms of divides right it's like are you mac or your windows or your ios like what, what are you primarily on but i don't know it's to me, I, I view iOS and Mac as working so well together that, you know, I, I, I just hesitate to even use the word divide, especially for like, you know, apps that need to be everywhere. You know, um, if you have like, you know, passwords stored in one password, you don't really know when you're going to need them, right? You might need them when you're on the road, you might need them at home, you might need them at your mom's house. Um, so it's, it's really important to be, to be everywhere. And so... You know, it, it, integrating these guys together is that, that's kind of more how I look at it. Is is how how can you get them to work better together? No, that's, so that's a great point. I mean, we we do shows all the time with some people who are iOS only or Mac only, and and people do want to take sides on this. But you know, we're all Apple enthusiasts, and just use whatever you like, and it's okay. We don't we don't need an us them between ourselves on this stuff. Well, I, I see where it comes from, right? You really like what you have and you want to you want to protect it. Um, and, you know, so Apple's doing a lot of interesting and new things. And, you know, every time you, you see it, you just wonder, well, what's what's that going to mean for my for, for my way of doing things? What's that going to mean for me in like five years from now? Right. So it's a it's a very natural reaction. Greg, the um, smile has you know, taken all of its productivity apps and, and made iOS versions. And I know just from, you know, being friends with you, how much work it was to do that. Um, at, you know, having finished that journey, 
What are your thoughts about um, the difference between the two platforms uh, as we sit here in 2018? It's interesting for us. I think maybe amongst the three companies, we may be the one where the bulk of our users do the bulk of their work on their desktop. Uh, and so, I mean, whether that be Mac OS or for TaxiSpinner for, for some percentage of the audience on Windows. And so, you know, for, for us, I think it's more about where they get their work done. And it's about ensuring that they have the convenience when they are mobile, when they are traveling, when they are out to be able to use PDF Pen or Text Expander on their mobile device. So, you know, if you're out and you need to do a quick support reply, it's really important to be able to have your snippets with you. Um, and if you're out and you need to be able to sign an agreement, then it's important to have PDF Pen with you. Actually, the, the other thing that struck me in this is, you know, you asked us about the Mac OS iOS divide, but all three of the companies on the show are also web developers now. Yeah, that's true. So, and congratulations, Ken, on uh, OmniFocus for the web. Oh, thank you. Still a work in progress, but we're getting there. What We should talk a little bit about that maybe before we, we move on, because we talk about the Mac and iOS divide, but you have all made decisions to move on to the web. Why was that decision prompted? Was, was that as a bridge between the devices? Is it was a bridge to, um, you know, include uh, other, you know, PC users, Android users, other users? Or was it a better way to, to sync and share information? Or did you all have different reasons for doing that? Uh, you know, we can, I, I guess, maybe Greg, you brought it up. So let's let's start with you and then go from there. Okay, sure. So, I mean, for us, it is the place where we wanted users to be able to manage their shared snippet groups. Um, and so it was logical that the software that's doing that is on the server. And so the interfaces as well. Um, and, you know, as we move forward, uh, we will bring some of those functions into the clients and some of those functions will remain on the server, uh, the things that make sense. And then, Ken, you're probably the newest in, um, person to, to come out on the web. Um, I, I don't I don't know that it's publicly available for people yet, but how is that going? Yeah, we're not not public yet, although I think we just sent out our fifth batch of 100 invitations. We're doing 100 invitations a day right now in our testing program to, um, to scale this uh, up. So we're, we're testing OmniFocus for the web, and, and our reason for going there was uh, that our customers are no longer just living in front of one, one platform all the time. They're not just on a Mac or just on, uh, you know, somewhere else. They... Uh, they switch between devices all the time, and they, when they're at work, they might need their Windows box, or uh, or maybe they have a uh, Windows tablet or something. I don't know. Um, but we've been hearing now for a while that that people would like to be able to access OmniFocus from wherever they are, and and we think that's a good idea. So uh, so that's what we're building. And then Dave, what what problems have going to the web solved for you, and what opportunities have that opened up? I think the biggest problem of all that it solved is a. Uh, a single source of truth for our, our every user's data. Well, the truth right? is in the cloud, right? It is. It is. And so it used to be um, incredibly difficult for us to keep all your devices in sync because we actually didn't know which one had the truth. Nowadays, it's a lot easier for each device to connect to the server, and it only has one place that it needs to sync to. And then all the other devices, you know, they... they 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 know they can trust the server. So if say an item's deleted on the server, um, they know that it actually was. Um, in 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 you know in in previous versions, if you had some files disappear from Dropbox, 
you didn't really know if the user just renamed them and moved them somewhere on you or if they actually uh, went to one password and explicitly deleted them. It was actually quite difficult for us to for us to piece that together. And even more so, they could delete the files on you and then put them back at a later time without you expecting. So so that, that, that's the biggest pain point it, it solved. In terms of opportunities, it's... Um, it's, it's, it's simply very nice to be able to send someone an email or have them click a link on the website or on any website and come and sign up without needing to download the app first. There, there's, there's, quite a, there's quite a bit of value there. And once we had all the information in one spot, we've been able to branch out a lot more as well and add different sorts of clients. So, for instance, we now support, support Linux and we support uh, Chrome OS, which is, you know, we have a lot of Mac users who also have Chrome OS and also have Linux, and they really wanted this. So it's, it's really nice that we can now, you know, I'm going to use the word finally, because um, a lot of our customers did, uh, now that we can finally support um, these additional operating systems. You know, Dave raises a good point. If you go back like five or six years even, um, synchronization was not something we could have taken for granted. I mean, it was a real challenge. And there were companies, you know, multi-billion dollar companies like Google, which could more or less do it, but it wasn't really available to smaller time players. And then Omni was one of the first, you know, small to medium-sized companies that started implementing their own sync system for OmniFocus several years ago. I know that uh, 1Password has a whole sync solution now. And even Smile has a way to sync your um, snippets for Text Expander. And you guys have all kind of taken control of your own synchronization engine. Uh, is this a problem that's solved now? I mean, can just about anyone depend on good synchronization if the developer is ready to to stand behind it? I guess I'll say that I hope so, <laughs> but but it's uh, <laughs> it is a hard problem. So every and it's sort of unique to each uh, each app domain, and so uh, unless you know, it depends on what your problem domain is, and if you're able to do. Uh, to you know, take the approach that Dave said, where you just say, "Okay, well, the truth lives in the cloud." That's a really nice solution that you can do, uh, and it solves a lot of problems in terms of knowing, um, you know, your where which changes uh, should be honored and which ones are just somebody rolling back things in time machine or whatever. Um, but that's not appropriate for every circumstance. Like sometimes you have to deploy things that people just can't access the cloud to. Uh, uh, when they're when they're using your app and they still need to be able to synchronize changes between it. So, um, so I guess I would say, yeah, it really still it's not fully solved, but it's a lot better than it used to be. And, and I'm not and, asking you to warrant the entire industry. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but and I Apple's do. technology has certainly gotten a lot better too. Uh, you know, some of their struggles earlier. But I would say from the user side, it feels like you guys have all got a pretty good handle on this. I mean, if you're using a reputable developer that that stuff is just syncing. Like I haven't, I can't think of the last time I had a syncing problem with any of the key apps that I use. Um, but now are you guys, I mean, is this, is it easier on your behalf now, Dave, or are you guys just like peddling like man behind the scenes? Well, I, I want to say that that syncing remi- remains a very difficult problem. Like you have to really think it through, right? And it takes a certain mindset to, 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 to write code to get it right. So it's, it's, it remains a very difficult problem. Um, with that said, you know, the tools certainly have been getting better, right? Like um, 
you know, we, we decided to take complete ownership of the syncing and run it on our own server. And we can run it much, much faster than, than we've ever done before. And it's much more reliable. So it's, it's, it's very, very good. But even before we did that, you know, cloud, you know, iCloud has CloudKit, um, you know, Dropbox is incredibly fast. Like there's, there's quite a few tools out there that, that do it quite well, but they're, they're general purpose sync solutions. So I, I think these big companies like, like, you know, Google and, and, and Apple have, have got their sync solutions working very well, but it's, it's still in a general, like it's still a general tool. You, you still, as a developer, you still have to build on that and set up your own protocols to make sure that, you know, as Ken said, like, you know, what if someone's like going in there and, and restoring from time machine? I guess that doesn't apply to iCloud directly, but they can still go in there and, and move files around on you, which, you know, is, is totally, is, is something you need to be prepared for. I, I mean, I don't, I know Ken Case would never toot his own horn, so I'm going to do it for him. Uh, I was sitting at Macworld with him a long time ago, back when there was a Macworld. <laughs> and at that point, he was getting ready to to announce the OmniSync service. And I said, well, why are you doing this? It sounds like so much work. And he said, because I want when a customer calls and something doesn't work, I want to be responsible for it. I don't want to blame somebody else. And I feel like all three of you have now done that. You've you've built this engine around your apps, so you have got responsibility for everything. Um, so, so Greg, now that you guys have done this with text expander, um, has it benefited you with, um, you know, customer service and just general reliability of the application? Oh yes, definitely. And I mean, I think to echo what, uh, Ken and Davis said, you know, this is a difficult problem set. Uh, I think to a certain extent, we all have the advantage that we have, a more limited problem domain for our own specific apps and our own specific purposes than Apple has in general. Um, and I mean, I think if you trace the history, it's kind of interesting. I mean, we started back with .Mac long, long ago, and then MobileMe, and then iCloud. Um, and so, you know, Apple, I think, is, has achieved now their general purpose sync solution, but it took them three shots to, to get there. So, it's difficult, and trying to do the general solution is extremely difficult. I remember trying to sync a .Mac text file once. It was a text file, and I went down and I made T, and I came back, and it was still syncing a text file. <laughs> <laughs> you, you write a lot, David. So. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> there was actually one more round back before .Mac of iTools, I think. Yes, iTools. Yes, oh, iTools. I, I left yeah. out iTools. My I don't know that iTools had, had document syncing, though. Or maybe it did have a little storage. It, well, there was iDisk. There was iDisk, yes, iDisk. That, that you could store stuff on, yeah. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Fujitsu and the entire ScanSnap line of scanners. If you want to go paperless, there is no better way than with a Fujitsu ScanSnap scanner. I've had them on my desk for years. It will allow you to take that box or filing cabinet of paper that you have and reduce it in no time. Fujitsu has just launched the brand new iX1500. It is their latest flagship model scanner, and it has never been easier to get rid of all of your paper. It features a touch screen for allowing you to quickly and easily navigate through various tasks with all of your scanners. It's perfect for both personal use and for sharing. It has a redefined design with 30 pages per minute of color scanning, as well as a 50-sheet document feeder, so it will tear through just about any task. It has a couple of advanced features that we haven't seen before on any of the scan snaps. 
It has a dust detection feature and a streak mode reduction feature, which means if you ever get a little piece of dust under your scan, or sometimes you'll have a little streak that will appear on things, the ScanSnap will warn you about it and show you exactly where it is so you can take care of it, and it will help eliminate those from your scans. Of course, you can scan wirelessly to a PC, Mac, iOS, Android device, either on a laptop, desktop, or mobile devices. And if you don't need something quite as powerful and instead are looking for mobility, check out the iX100. It is incredibly portable. It will fit even in a glove box or in the bottom of your bag. You'll hardly know it's there. It'll scan a 300 DPI page in 5.2 seconds and weighs only 14 ounces. It's USB powered and has a built-in battery so you can take it with you anywhere you go. And of course, what ties this all together is the amazing ScanSnap software. You can set up different scanning profiles depending on what types of documents you want to scan. Are they single-sided? Are they double-sided? Do you want to batch scan a whole bunch of documents all at once? Do you want to OCR your scans so you can actually read the text within your documents? The possibilities are endless. You can learn more by heading over to budurl.me slash SSMPU, that stands for ScanSnap NPU, and learn about the whole lineup of Fujitsu ScanSnap scanners. And thanks to Fujitsu for their continued support of the show. Okay, so there's this new dessert flavor uh, floating around called marzipan. And um, I think, isn't that what um, that, that teddy bear likes to eat on his sandwiches, the marzipan sandwiches? But, the, uh, but also, apparently, it's some secret program Apple's had going uh, to take iOS applications in one end and spit out a Mac app on the other end. And with the release of Mac OS Mojave, we got the Stocks app. Because everybody was was banging the drums for that one, and the um, and the news app and the home app, which actually is kind of useful, and so we got several applications that Apple did kind of as a test, and um, and all of us pundits are looking at them saying this really isn't that great, but but there is a future where developers can take a successful iOS app and make some sort of version for Mac. How's that make you feel, Dave? I guess it's kind of controversial, but uh, I think it's I think it's great. Um, there's a lot of things to be worried about. So I should prefix everything with that. Like, you know, certainly one day we might wake up and we don't have our beloved, you know, uh, all, all the power available to us on Macs. Like, you know, I, I think we love our Macs because we can do so many things and we're afraid one day we might lose that. But it's it's like as a developer, like we go out there and we make something really, really nice and we polish it and we publish it. And, you know, we... We need to do that now on, I've lost track of how many platforms. It's like five or six or seven platforms that, that, that we need to have one password do that on now. And it's quite a drain on, on, on your time, right? Because it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And um, thankfully, we, we have enough, like we're, we've been successful enough and in, in, in to be able to, to afford the people to do that. But if I was just starting out today and I needed to have an app running everywhere, I just I wouldn't be able to do it, right? And you you kind of made a you kind of made a joke about the stocks app there, like you know, thank God it's finally on Mac. But I actually that's been one of my frustrations is that there's apps that are on iPhone that are not even on iPad, right? Like it took a long time before there's a calculator there. And you know, I'm actually personally I I use the socks app on my Mac. I think it's great. Yeah. Well, and it is the first iteration. Yeah. That's why I feel like, you know, I guess to, to kind of go back on my comments is this is just the first release. They, I apparently what I heard was, you know, we were going to figure it out once we saw the code, especially with some of these code sleuths we got out there. So they, they told us a little bit about it, but I expect that there's a lot more coming. And, um, 
and we're looking at th- this idea of uh, transferring applications from iOS to Mac through an Apple platform or people just not doing it at all or using some web solution, which isn't probably as good. Um, do you have any thoughts on Marzipan and what it may mean for the platform, Greg? Well, I think that the primary motivation for Apple in doing Marzipan is actually to ensure that if they do an app for the iOS platform, that they're able to bring it to the Mac. And I mean, I think the evidence of that is that they already shipped a couple with uh, Mojave. So you know, that's, that's I think, where it's coming from. I don't think it's entirely about serving the developer community. I think that's that's what's next for them. But what's first for them is they need not be in a position where they have an app on iOS wanted on the Mac and don't have the resources to do it. I mean, I know it seems absurd that they're, you know, an enormous company and theoretically they could have whatever resources they want, but as a practical matter, they can't and they have to make choices and decisions. And this solves a bit of a problem area for them. You know, I'd never thought of that, you know, as it being a solving an Apple problem as opposed to helping developers or, or helping the Mac platform. I'll tell you, my nightmare is that I wake up one day, and I'm not even sure this is justified because OmniFocus works pretty great on iOS these days, but but I'm just so used to OmniFocus on my Mac too, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so Ken, um, I mean, like, you guys make some really powerful apps. Do you foresee this as something that would work? I mean, uh, this is years into the future, of course, but I mean, do you foresee uh, these types of movements as something where we where we'll get power user type apps just being converted or do you think they'll still be um, isolated versions for the Mac for this stuff? That's an interesting question. I'm not, yeah, I'm kind of putting you on the spot. I don't mean to, but the, I, but you guys make these, these really big productive apps. And I do wonder is, is the, do you think the intention is to have most apps be made via Marzipan because there's so much stuff over on iOS or do you think Apple intends to continue to support Mac developers that want to just make Mac apps? Certainly what I heard at WWDC was that they were still very much planning to support separate Mac APIs that uh, that are targeted for things like, you know, supporting Windows and, and uh, you know, multiple window document workflows that, that iOS currently doesn't have. Uh, over time, I wouldn't be surprised if Marzipan uh, started getting those capabilities you know maybe we want to be able to support multiple windows on some future ipad for example and it would make sense then that uh that the mac version of uh of the platform uh, of you know of the ios sdk starts to support that stuff as well and and so maybe there is some future world where all of this stuff evolves out and we only have one api that we have to program to and that would that would save us a bunch of time but i think right now in the immediate future where we're just talking about the current ios sdk coming over to the mac there's a big divide between what the ios sdk is capable of and what people expect from a traditional mac application uh, so, so we'll be building traditional Mac applications for a while yet, and I think, I think that's their expectation. They weren't trying to replace the existing world of Mac apps, but there is a huge, huge world, uh, you know, as Dave alluded to, of apps that just have never made it over to the Mac, and it will be great to have those over on the Mac if it's as easy as you know convincing the bank my bank for example well i have several banks and they all have ios apps none of them have a mac app and they of course never would bother but um but maybe with marzipan they will if it's just an easy compile switch 
leveraging that huge user base on iOS into better apps for the Mac. I mean, and Apple is a company that thinks long terms in the future. Who knows, 10 years from now, maybe they could push a button and you could make OmniFocus just as good on the Mac as it is now with only having to develop the one code base, which would mean you had more time to add new features and make it a better application. So uh, I, I'm excited to see how it all plays out. I, I do think in the short-term future, I'm hoping we do get lots of, of uh, smaller apps just come over, like your banking apps and things like that. And even some of Apple's apps, like like the App Store Connect app and so on. I was going to say, I think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that Marzipan or a future version of Marzipan can take care of. Uh, like some of those apps. And certainly they'll be, I mean, Marzipan's not going to be right for everything. It's certainly not right for an OmniFocus or a 1Password or a, a Text Expander or a PDF Pen now, but maybe 10 years from now, it, some future iteration of it might be. But there's a lot of those those simpler apps that maybe maybe it could be. Maybe it could at least be good enough to, you know, even if the app wasn't perfect, would you rather have it than not? And going back to Greg's point, you know, not only does it make it easier for Apple to convert their own apps to a uh, single platform, maybe the long term plays Apple only needs to support one platform, you know, if they can make all this work. Do you think that's a possibility, Greg? Oh, goodness, I have no idea. But I mean, I think that would be much more of a long, long term thing on the time frame Katie suggests. But I think, you know, they no longer have a reason not to do something like iTunes Connect on the Mac, which would really be handy. Um, so the the other thing that I was thinking about um, that we, we haven't even talked about it much on these developer roundtable shows for a while is the Apple Watch. Um, when it first came out, the, the hardware was, in my opinion, kind of slow. I mean, it was good enough for the things Apple wanted it to do, but it never really was a great application platform. And I know Dave and, and Ken have both supported the Apple Watch from day one. I don't think, uh, uh, Greg, you guys have anything on Apple Watch, right? No, we don't. Okay. But then, you know, then there was this kind of people going into the Apple Watch. Then a lot of people left it. A lot of developers have stopped developing for the Apple Watch. But both Ken and Dave have continued to. Um, Dave, where do you see the Apple Watch today and, and in terms of supporting your app and your users? So the Apple Watch is admittedly a, a, a very small, small piece of what we do nowadays. Like, um, I think I should prefix uh, that we were there on day one with the Apple Watch, and you know it was it was fun. We we got there, but there was a lot of reliability issues there, and you know we we did the best we could, but it, it took it took a while and took some OS upgrades to to get things quite stable. So what personally happened to me is like, I have an Apple watch. I, I really like this thing, but I don't actually use it for pretty much any apps. Like I just, I just, I just don't do it. And for me personally, I think what happened was, you know, there was all this fanfare about apps and how great they can be. And, you know, I played with them for a while and I just didn't really overly like the experience and I never really came back. Um, once I get my, you know, my, my, my new watch with the larger screen and all these types of things, you know, I'll probably dip the toe back in there. But for right now, I'd basically use it for, for overcast and, uh, you know, notifications. And, and that's basically it, right? So, um, 
Yeah, so so basically, it kind of kind of reminds me of like iOS version one. Like there was no apps, right? So and people were really excited. And then when there were apps, like they were extremely good. So like you had the anticipation and you had the the feedback. Um, but but yeah, I don't want to throw my own app under the bus. Like you can still like launch one password on your on your watch. You know, see your credit card numbers or your TOTP code. Or, I should use I should not use TOTP. So one time passwords. Like if you have like two factor authentication set up with a website, you can you can like you know grab that from your watch. So there's there's some really cool things you can do there. Um, but for me personally, I'm I'm still still kind of waiting for it to to get even faster and everything. You know. And I think everyone in the audience should know that Dave is the world's worst enabler. Um, every time Apple comes out with something new, he like sends me an email that says something like, so, and he sends me a picture of the MacBook or whatever. I, I almost dread opening those emails, Dave. I, I was, I was busy this year though. I didn't poke you on the watch. Do you have the new watch? <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> but now, now can you guys have really, I mean, the, the OmniFocus, I keep talking about OmniFocus because that's the thing I love. But the uh, but the OmniFocus app, Apple Watch is not a simple app. I mean, that thing does quite a bit. And, and you guys were there at the beginning, and now you're there with Series 4. What's been your experience developing for the Apple Watch, and where do you see it heading? Well, it, it might not be a simple app as far as Apple Watch apps go, but it's a pretty simple app compared to OmniFocus on a different platform. So um, it, I think... I think the that simple that the Apple Watch really does need sort of simple experiences. You're not really wanting to spend a lot of time interacting with this thing on your wrist. I I don't believe it's um, it's not a good use for that. But things that you can glance at, things that uh, where you can look up some reference information, like like passwords uh, in One Password or like your current uh, tasks in OmniFocus. I think that's a great use case. Uh, I don't think we, we would necessarily ever want to bring something like uh, OmniGraffle over to it, except maybe to view a diagram just as a preview sort of a thing, but not, but you wouldn't have the full-fledged, I, uh, I'm going to edit a diagram and create something on this, uh, this tiny screen. Uh, until we get the Star Trek size screens that <laughs> go all the way around your wrist or something. Katie, Katie's waiting for that, right? <laughs> that might be a little big, just a little too much. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by SaneBox. Tame your inbox and get a healthy discount with the link in the show notes. SaneBox might be my most used web service. SaneBox helps me manage the deluge of email. I've released a few field guides in the last couple of months, and that means my inbox has been getting hammered. SaneBox has had my back the whole time, sorting email with uncanny precision into different folders automatically so I can find everything I need exactly where I'd expect it. And that's what SaneBox does. It looks at your inbox and it figures out the stuff that you need to reply to right away and it leaves it in the inbox. It gets the rest of it and it puts it in other boxes that you can look through later. One of them's even called later. I love this because when I look at my inbox, it's just got the most important email right there for me. It's like having my own personal assistant sort my email for me 24-7. Best of all, SaneBox works everywhere. The last few weeks, we've had updates to both iOS and macOS, and mail tools and plugins are breaking everywhere. That's not true with SaneBox. SaneBox runs in the cloud, so no matter how many times you update your operating system, change to a different email application, SaneBox keeps working for you. There's a whole lot more to SaneBox, like you can have it automatically collect your attachments, 
You can use it to defer email. You can even have it remind you when someone doesn't respond. So to learn more, head over to SaneBox. Now use the link in the show notes because it gets you a nice discount when you sign up. And let them know you heard about it here at the Mac Power Users. So uh, when we talked last year, you guys, uh, we were talking about challenges faced uh, with making money in the software business. You know, Apple has not really been very forthcoming with allowing the traditional upgrade path. I know that like Omni Group has has figured out some ways around that. I know that um, uh, some developers are looking to subscription plans, and and Greg and Dave both One Password and Text Expander both have subscription plans now. Uh, how's that going, uh, Greg? Uh, I think it's going really well. Uh, I think that you know we we had our uh, initial challenges in terms of communicating well to our long term customers. Our you know, lifetime 50% discount for people who'd been with us from the start. But once we got through that, uh, you know, I think we, we managed to keep folks on board. Uh, they're still using the product. And we have a little bit more freedom, I think, than we might have otherwise. So, for example, uh, we've been hard at work uh, behind the scenes building the infrastructure and the interface for an updated content editor. And we'll be elevating macros to sort of first class objects. So, you know, whereas right now to do the day name, you might type in percent A, uh, you'll actually be able to pick it from a pop up, have it pop in, and it'll say day colon Monday so that you'd actually be able to see this so that, you know, it's not just power users who can actually use the macro functionality in TextExpander. And I think prior to the subscription model, we would have had to hold off and build that into a specific, uh, you know, major update release, et cetera. Whereas now, you know, we're, we're getting there and we're almost there. And that's very, very exciting. Um, I mean, frankly, I don't think I've ever talked about anything that we've been almost there on before. This is the very first time, but I feel comfortable doing that because it's in the pipeline, it's coming and we're excited about it. Yeah, it, it really, I mean, it's a different business model, but it, in a lot of ways, it gives a company stability and the, and the ability to, to push forward like that. Yeah, it's really exciting for us. And then, Dave, how's it going for you all? You you went a little little bit different route there. Well, I, I basically I'm going to repeat everything Greg said. So so echoing Greg exactly, it's 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 going very well for us. Um, we took a slightly different approach in that you can purchase a license or you can subscribe. And at the, when we first released the subscriptions, um, yeah, there were quite a few people that said, "Well, why would I want to subscribe? I already got a license." And we're like. No worries. You just keep your license. You keep on going. You know, have fun. And we just released One Password Seven. Uh, I'm losing track of time, but earlier this year, and um, when One Password Seven launched up, it said, "Hey, you know, if, if you if you want to use this app, you need to either purchase a new license or you need to subscribe." And it was quite interesting because we actually had the upgrade screen there with, um, you know, with with the price for the license on the left, which was the forty nine ninety nine, and or you could you know subscribe for two ninety nine a month, and you know just compare the two um, beside each other. And once people saw that, the vast majority of people chose the subscription. And so I've, I was actually delighted to see that because, as Greg was saying, it makes it makes your life as a developer so much easier. You you used to there used to be this fear. Um, <laughs> I would get I would get yelled at quite a bit internally saying you're not allowed to talk about new features because you're going to kill existing sales, right? And if we don't ship for like whatever a year or whatever and you kill existing sales, well how are we ever going to make it, right? <laughs> because we'll we, we'll run out of runway. 
And so nowadays, like we can openly talk about uh, the features that are that are coming down the pipe, um, and we, you know, we can release them. First of all, we can we can talk about them. We can release them faster, and we don't need to sit there and wait for a great big upgrade to come along. Um, basically, our subscribe we've had so many more subscribers and license holders that I'm not really worried about that great like saving things for this great big release to 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 drive to drive upgrade sales. And not only is it easier from that perspective, but it's it's a lot easier on customers as well. Like we have so many customers contacting us, just saying like, "What should I do?" Right? Like. Like what? What should I do? And should, should I buy an upgrade? Should I should I get the subscription? Should I, you know, do I need to download a new app? Um, all these types of things. And with a subscription, all those questions just they just go away. Um, you just you're just always being updated to the latest and greatest version of the software. There, there's there's nothing to confuse the customer with. I know for a lot of listeners of our show, I mean, most of us are people that are just trying to get our jobs done and. We look at these productivity apps, the ones you make and the ones a lot of other really smart developers make is our ninja swords. That's the way we get things done and we can get home and go hang out with our kids or go watch a baseball game or do whatever it is that makes us happy. So uh, I'm really happy to see when there's these different models rising up that not only allow you guys to continue to pay for your shoes while making these great things for us, but make it an industry that other people who have smart ideas are willing to to take a risk on, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. And kind of on that theme, there's the app stores, you know, Apple made these app stores and they did a big refit to the iOS app store last year. And then just this year with Mojave, I think maybe one of the biggest features of Mojave, frankly, is the way they redid the Mac app store. Uh, are you guys looking favorable on what Apple's been doing with their app stores or, or what's your opinion on it? Uh, how about you, Ken? Oh yeah, I think they've, They've done a great job of improving the Mac App Store, making it a more interesting place for uh, for people to go visit, see, learn about um, you know new apps that are coming out or existing apps maybe that have been there for a while, and sort of resurfacing that content. It's uh, I think it's a harder job on the Mac right now than on iOS, just because the selection is a lot more limited. You can't have uh, necessarily an app of the day and uh, have it go on forever the way you can on iOS. Um, You'd run out of apps of the day pretty quickly. <laughs> but that might change, you know, as as we get marzipan and <laughs> and people start bringing more apps. At least I hope it will. Um, the App Store model has continued to evolve over the years. Um, Apple talked about some changes that they've made recently in opening it up. Um, some developers who have left have come back. I, I know some of you have had your apps in the App Store continuously. Um, some of your apps have, have moved in and, and come out. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd kind of like to get a, a couple of different perspectives on that. You know, Greg, I know that um, Smile originally put all of their apps in the App Store, but then you had to take some of them, I believe most notably Text Expander, um, out because of sandboxing limitations. Um, and, and maybe that makes more sense now because you ultimately evolved into a, a different subscription model. But um, do you see those types of limitations um, going away on the App Store or um, is that even appropriate at this point? Uh, it's it's an interesting question. I mean, I think that the new app store is really beautiful, and I think that uh, it has a lot of potential uh, for doing a good job of of surfacing apps. Uh, so, you know, I, I think we're still very interested. Uh, I think for Taxi Spender, it's you know a decision by Apple that uh, their sandboxing would not permit that type of application. Uh, you know, it needs to filter your keyboard input and 
that can be done for good and it can also be done for evil. So, uh, you know, it, it may be a hard call for them to make. Uh, then again, they have a review staff. And so, you know, maybe it is a call that they will choose to make at some point in the future. Uh, but I think that, you know, being able to be in the app store, you know, it's a, it's a significant source of referrals for apps that people purchase on the app store, but it's also for, for us at least a significant source of referrals for people who purchase from us directly. We ask in the shopping cart, you know, where, where did you hear about PDF pen, for example? And one of our, I think our, our, our second or third source of referral is the Mac app store. It is behind Mac power users, but still it's up there. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to hear. (laughs) The, um, I, I feel like that, um, Apple, I mean, I know we have some people from Apple listening to this show. I, I feel like a, a companies like Smile that have been around as long as they have. I mean, I, I really still feel like they need to liberalize the sandbox a little more because, I mean, there's some great apps out there. They're locked out. And I, I this year at WWDC, they uh, they did bring back um, Bare Bones and I believe Panic and a few other app developers. So I have to hope that this is a, a, a progression in the right direction. Yeah, it sounds like they're trying. I mean, I, I don't think we've seen VBEdit or uh, Transmit arrive yet, but I certainly look forward to seeing them arrive and, and seeing what Apple has done to make that possible. Yeah, so now, now, now that'll be the, uh, the the bet. Which What happens first? Does Bare Bones get back in the App Store or do, does Apple ship that? What's that pad that you're supposed to be able to charge everything on? The Air Pad, I think they called it. Air Power. Air Power. Let's see what happens first, you know, BB Edit or Air Power. <laughs> um. Any thoughts on what what is still out there? I mean, we all, uh, of course, have opinions as to Apple needs to add this to the App Store. Apple needs to have add that to the App Store. But you are the guys with with boots on the ground who who know what the what the limitations are. Um, you know, Dave, uh, we haven't heard from you in a, a little while. What would you like to see added to the App Store that isn't already there that would be helpful for you? Oh boy, that's a that's a really good question. Uh, not not too long ago, I would have absolutely said once again, paid upgrades. Right, that's something that as like when we started out, that's where we got our our recurring revenue from was we we would have paid upgrades, and it it took a long time, but you know, you know, because Apple needed to figure these things out too. But now now that subscriptions are available to apps like ours, um, we've embraced these subscriptions. We actually no longer sell licenses on the uh, Mac App Store at all. We just we just don't sell licenses at all, um, and you know it's it's simplified a lot of things. And now we just we just actually don't have that need anymore. So but, um, I think a lot of other developers, though, uh, would really appreciate that or, or you know, should, should embrace subscriptions. Ba- basically, Apple's kind of making that clear. That's, that's the way they want you to head. Um, but yeah, being on the spot, I can't think of anything else, to be honest. <laughs> like, like, they've improved so many things, right? Like the review time so much better now. Like, I don't know. Basically, all my pain points have gone away. Um, Ken, uh, Omni Group is known for taking some of the limitations of the App Store and um, I don't want to say working around them, but figuring out solutions to them that ultimately kind of pave the way for what Apple does with the App Store. Um, and I think probably most notably is is you guys figured out a way to, to have some upgrades on the App Store and to offer free trials. And then all of us and everybody kind of held their breath for a little while. And then all of a sudden that became okay. So can you talk a little bit about that process? Well, it was certainly um, 
a worrisome process as we were going through it. But uh, but much like Dave, you know, a lot of a significant part of our recurring revenue comes from upgrade pricing. Uh, and we, you know, because we didn't want to move to a subscription model, uh, we want our customers to be looking at our apps as an investment rather than an ongoing cost. And so, uh, so we really wanted to keep the model we have always used, but we had to think about, well, how can we present this in the app store? So, uh, so we worked carefully with Apple and tried to make sure we understand what their goals were for, you know, why they, uh, were allowing the things they were allowing, not allowing the other things. And then, uh, came up with some ideas and proposed one, that one got completely thrown out. <laughs> we had to go back to the drawing board, and, but eventually we landed with a solution where basically we moved to all of our apps being free downloads in the app store and, uh, all of the unlocking of functionality happens as in-app purchases. And then because they're in-app purchases, we can, within our app logic, choose uh, which in-app purchases to offer. So from the user's point of view, they might just be unlocking pro or standard, and there are only those two choices. But behind the scenes, maybe there are more like eight choices that say, oh, okay, I'm unlocking pro, but I already own the previous version of the app, so I should get a 50% discount. Or I'm unlocking pro, but I bought the app within the last month, so I should get a free upgrade. Uh, and that uh, that sort of thing really paid off, I think, as we well as we shipped, for example, OmniFocus three this last month. Uh, all of the complaints that we used to get around uh, the uh, frustrations in upgrade pricing, particularly in the App Store, have now just completely disappeared. Um, so that's really nice. Uh, there's still, of course, limitations in the, with the App Store that uh, where uh, where we haven't solved all the problems, like. We don't have a good solution for doing sales for businesses because it, you can't use in-app purchase. Sorry, the volume purchase program that businesses use can't be used to buy in-app purchases. And since all of our apps are now unlocked with uh, in-app purchases, suddenly our business customers are left wondering, well, what are we supposed to do to buy your apps? Uh, similarly, family sharing doesn't work with in-app purchases. So, uh, so we're kind of locked out of being able to do family sharing. Um, We'd love to be able to test the uh, the in-app purchase stuff better, and, but there's no test flight on Mac. There is on iOS, uh, but on iOS you tend not to te to test the uh, in-app purchase stuff very much, uh, since users don't really want to deal with that when they're when they're using test flight. Um, yeah, just a few a few of the things that we're looking at. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea. You can grab a unique domain, choose one of their award-winning templates, and you are off to the races. Whether you want to create an online store, create a portfolio of your work, create a blog, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. And best of all, you don't have to worry about installing anything, you don't have patches to worry about, you don't have to upgrade anything, you don't have to be the administrator of your website because Squarespace just has you covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly grab your own unique domain name, and all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed so you can show off your greatest ideas. My favorite thing about Squarespace is they take all of the hard work out of it for you. I remember when I was hosting with a different provider, I got a tweet from somebody telling me that my website was down, and it turned out something had happened and the database had gotten corrupt. I don't know, but it came at the most inopportune time. I was actually putting my Christmas tree up with my family, and I spent the rest of the night trying to figure out what was wrong with the website and how I could get it back online. With Squarespace, you don't have to worry about any of that. 
They take care of all the back end for you. They also take care of things like making sure your website is mobile optimized, making sure that your site looks great on any type of device. Squarespace just has you covered. And their plans start at just $12 a month. But you can start a free trial now with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com MPU. And when you decide to sign up, enter the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and shows your support for Mac Power users. Again, that's squarespace.com MPU and the code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase. Thanks to Squarespace for their support of the show. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. Now, I know all three of you are very passionate about your companies and, and you guys have created some amazing stuff with them. But I'd like for the next couple questions to pretend that you took a new job and instead of running your respective company, suddenly you have an office on the uh, the spaceship the, uh, on Apple Park and Tim Cook has packed his, his, his box and he's left the room, looked at you kind of sullen as he left the room and you sat in Tim Cook's chair. So here we go. Here we go. I'll start with you, Greg. Um, what's the one thing that you would do to iOS if you were in charge at Apple? You get, you get, you get to make one change. <laughs> what a setup. I know. I, I, I don't know, even know fair. where to go with this. I mean, well, I, I'm thinking, you know, I'm running in my head, if, you know, Tim Cook isn't the one who does iOS, really. That's yeah, true. Um, That's true. But you, but you, okay, you've got final say. You've got Federighi's job. I feel like I can answer this question for Greg. But oh, go, go ahead. For no, it. no, I was just going to say I would like Tech Expander to work with external keyboards, but that's just me. Yeah, really. Yeah. Okay, sure. So if we're going for our straight company, I thought we had to like ignore our company, but if we're going for straight company bias, it's like, yeah, I'd have a third party API for uh, keyboard autocorrect tomorrow. There we go. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say that Greg <laughs> successfully dodged that question, <laughs> and then I'm going to give Dave the second shot at it. Yeah, see, I gave him time. I gave him time. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, my first my first response was to dodge it and just say, "I think I would." Ooh. <laughs> well, see, see, that's my answer. I take the fire bonus and go buy a condo in Hawaii, and you'd never hear from me again. But then Greg took a different approach, so now I think I'm going to like. I, I should steal his approach now and, and say, you know, well, like autofill on iOS would be really nice for like password managers. But, you know, Apple just did that. So, so which, you know, we've really enjoyed. It was, it was like Christmas for us. We, we just absolutely love this new feature. So I don't know. I, I think I have to go with my original. I think I would just have to quit because I, I don't know how to answer the question. I, I, have to, I have to tell you a funny story, Dave. I was sitting for, for the State of the Union uh, in WWDC. The State of the Union for the listeners is the talk Apple gives after the keynote at WWDC. And that's where they really explain the details of what they're doing. And I just happened to be sitting behind a bunch of the 1Password guys. And Apple was explaining the autofill feature that they're adding. And they were only talking about with respect to their password thing. And I could just see the shoulders going down on the guys in front of me. And then they said, and by the way, this will work with third parties. And I thought your guys were going to jump through the ceiling when they announced that. It was great watching them. Oh, we, we were super excited. It's a, it's a game changer. It's, it's, it really is. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something we've wanted since day one, to be honest. And we, you know, we, you always have dreams and we, but we never really, at least myself personally, I never really thought Apple would, would ever open that up, to be honest. And and they did. And it's just, you know, it, it's incredible. So Ken, so Ken, in addition to changing the Apple logo to the OmniFocus logo, if you were <laughs> in, in the charge at Apple, what's the one thing you'd like to change with iOS? 
Well, fortunately, you've given me a little bit more time because otherwise I was going <laughs> to <laughs> run out of the room like, here, Tim, do you want this job back? <laughs> but now that I've had a little more time to think about the problem, I think uh, I feel like it's a pretty big limitation on the platform that it's not actually self-hosting yet. You can't actually build iOS apps using iOS only. So, uh, you know, if I'm on the go right now and I want to go on a trip, I've, you know, listened to other people on podcasts talk about how they can now go on their trips with just their iPad. And I'm envious because I can't do that at all. I can't run Xcode on my iPad. I can't develop an app just on my iPad. I have to have a Mac with me as well, uh, no matter where I'm going. So if I'm looking for, you know, what would make the iOS platform more healthy, I feel like a development environment that, uh, that can help produce software right there on the device. And if the listeners are wondering if Ken is just blowing smoke, I can tell you, having been on multiple Omni betas and seeing builds and notes from Ken at like two in the morning, this guy never stops working on his apps. <laughs> the um, I So what about this thing about automation? You know, uh, we're the Mac Power users. A lot of our listeners are super interested in ways to get their work done faster and smarter. Um, the iOS platform was a wasteland for so long, but now we've got Siri shortcuts. Apple put, um, they put Automator in a keynote this year. All of a sudden, uh, we have some hope that Apple's going to give us further support for automation. Um, what would you like to see happen next? And, and what do you see the general direction of this stuff? And I'll start with Ken, because I know you guys are doing a lot of work on this. Oh, this is... Um I mean, this is one of the big exciting things for for the year for me was seeing Apple's emphasis on uh, on automation, what they did with the uh, workflow team and turning it into the shortcuts app and then it giving it access to so much of the operating system, integrating it into Siri and everything else. Uh, I think it's just fun to see how this ecosystem is developing with lots of third-party apps starting to come into play. And, uh, and it's uh, really fun to see our customers getting excited about it and, you know, building new workflows and, uh, and figuring out what they can do to make their own lives easier. How's it going with the Omni group JavaScript? And for the listeners that aren't aware, the Omni group is making a version of JavaScript in essence to automate all their applications across both iOS and the Mac is, are you guys satisfied with the way that's progressing? And, and what are your thoughts about that? Oh yeah. I mean, we, we would love for it to be, uh, already in all of our apps, but it's in two of our apps at this point. It's in OmniGraffle and in Omni Outliner. Uh, the next one that it's likely to come to is OmniFocus, and uh, and it will, of course, be coming to OmniPlan as well. And uh, the ability to say, hey, I want to create a new menu item, and this is what it's going to do when I run it, uh, it's a lot like uh, what Shortcuts now gives you on iOS, where you can say, here are the th- these things that I do frequently, and I would just like to be able to do them over and over again and adds more more power to the application. And Ken, now that you said publicly that OmniFocus is next, I promise to stop sending you email about it. Okay? <laughs> That's our deal. <laughs> now, 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 Greg, your application really is not only about automation, it, it, it functionally is automation. You know, it is all about, it's a tool of automation, but then you've got PDF Pen as well. Um, do you think this automation drive is going to continue from Apple? And do you think this can help uh, your company and the software products you guys are making? Uh, I mean, I certainly think it's great for end users. And I think that, uh, you know, we will discover additional things that we can do that we don't do now. Uh, you know, there existed a workflow 
uh, and now shortcuts action to create a snippet uh, from text that you're working on. And uh, we're looking into how we might be able to work expansion of a snippet into uh, what you're doing, but that sort of requires an application switch. And so that that may or may not be useful. Uh, and so you know, we're, we're sort of investigating. And Dave, what do you think in terms of password managers and automation? Do you see some an angle there for you guys? Well, we um, we haven't found one yet, to be honest. Like, obviously, with your passwords, we have to be incredibly uh, protective of them. Um, also, on, on like a personal level, I'm not I'm not a huge automation type guy. I just I, I geek out on lots of things, but you know, when it comes to other apps, like other than you know development tools, I tend not to. Um, but I think that's going to start to change. Like um, uh, one of my colleagues, Jamie, uh, was here this week and he would sit there and he would take his pills and then he would just say, hey, Siri, I took my pills. And I'd be like, oh, <laughs> you activated Siri. <laughs> no, just, Dave, just to be clear, not only did you activate it for yourself, you just activated it for thousands and thousands of listeners. <laughs> and, and we'll go ahead and leave that in. <laughs> No, no, no. They, you know, Phil, wasn't it Phil Schiller was on stage and promised that that it now does voice recognition. So, so your okay, I'll just give them your email address. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, let, let me know how it goes. Let me know how it goes. But anyways, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm like, what on earth are you doing, Jamie? And he's like, oh well, like I track my nutrition levels, right? And I want to make sure I'm taking the right number of, uh, um, you know, nutrients like like vitamin B and, and C and all these different things. And so I just have Siri help me um well series integrated with whichever app he was using I, I can't remember which one but basically the app would keep track of all his nutrition and that got me jealous right so i'm like you know i i i think i'm going to start doing that right and so that's kind of like the first step i think and then maybe i'll get bitten by the automation bug and go farther um, but in terms of one password honestly we're still looking for the uh the killer use case that gets us really excited about it and, and makes us want to push it forward um, so listeners are more than welcome to email me and or tweet me and um, and, and and let me know what that should be if, if 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 they have one. I'll tell you, it's really interesting that to see from our listeners. Like, I got an email from an insurance salesperson who had never automated anything. He got the series shortcut field guide, went through it, and then he automated like half of his job. And he was he was just like you know it was like. Um, he was woke on it. I mean, he had never programmed before and now he's made all these automation routines. And I, I do think that Apple is democratizing this and we're going to see all sorts of people that you never would have expected to automate to automate. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next. And then I guess that gets us to kind of the big questions about, you know, what is the state of Apple? How do you guys see the company going today? You know, you think if they're in the right direction or where they could use some course correction, um, and Greg, I asked you first one of these hard questions last time, so I'm going to ask you last this time. <laughs> and I'll ask Ken first this time. Um, how do you see Apple doing? If you, you know, uh, from a developer and a user standpoint, you know, how are they doing these days? Well, I've I have really enjoyed what they're doing on the operating system side of things uh, these days. You know, all of the uh, shortcuts work, all of the new uh, work that's gone into Mojave. Uh, you know, some. That has been a really solid update for me, as well as uh, adding some great features. I'm loving dark mode. Uh, I, uh, on the hardware side, I'm impatient because I know that uh, that they promised that they would have some new Mac Pros uh, 
And I think the the latest timeline was what sometime in 2019. And I am really eager to uh, to get my hands on some to buy some new Mac Pros. We have uh, some build servers that need updating. We have um, lots of things, but I don't want to be doing buying those right now with some slightly stale hardware. So, uh, and same with uh, some Mac Minis to use, uh, you know, as little servers here and there. They're great little tools, but again, they seem a little long in the tooth at the moment. That's one of the most frequent questions we get from listeners: is when is they going to get a new Mac Mini? There are a lot of people that are waiting for those Mac Minis. Yeah. <laughs> what What do you think, um, um, Dave? How's Apple doing? Well, I while you guys were talking there on my Mac, I launched the Stocks app. <laughs> oh, I heard I, I heard <laughs> that came over to Mojave. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice, and it's it's running in dark mode right now, and it respects the dark mode preference of, that I have set, and it just it looks really really good. So, anyways, the market cap is one point one trillion, <laughs> which is <laughs> so. I think they're doing pretty good, and when I I'm, when I start complaining about the uh, MacBook Pros, I, I don't I don't I don't think they're necessarily going to listen to me because I think they're, they're they're doing quite well. But in terms of software, I'm like super happy with Apple. Like you know, basically everything Ken said there, right? Dark mode Mojave and all this stuff. Um, uh, they, they have a lot of cool new security things they've been doing on 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 Mac, like hardened runtimes and. Um, What's that thing called? Oh, the, they they have a new notary service, so like they 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 can now like revoke your apps like faster than ever, if if like if they're doing something wrong, right? Um, on the hardware side, like I just I haven't found a Mac that I that I love anymore. Like I, I still like them a lot. Don't get me wrong, but I've always 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 loved my Mac, and so right now I'm running a a 2015 MacBook Pro, and this this Mac I still. Honestly, I still love it, to be honest. It's just, you know, I don't like the date. You know, I, I want something new and shiny with a faster processor, like all this type of stuff. And I'm <laughs> I'm really hoping Apple, you know, delivers on, well, I don't know about delivers, but get, gives me something that I just absolutely uh, want to scream from the rooftops about. Well, and we should say that was after you, you upgraded to a newer model MacBook Pro and said, no, no, thanks. I'm fine. And went back. Yeah. And in Apple's defense on that one, that's a, a lot to do with my RSI, like um, repetitive stress injury. And, um, and, and so it's just with the new keyboards, I don't know if it's a keyboard or just the layout of the trackpad size. I, I don't know, but basically um, my wrists almost always hurt on those things. Um, and so I, 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 I went back on that. But I, I do love my 2015, so I actually bought a brand new one. I had like a 2014 or something like that. It had like the pretty much the same specs, but I, I went out and bought the latest and greatest um, old model that I could, <laughs> just so that it could last as long as possible. I, when I went to, uh, I was at the movies, like, it was the, the Star Wars premiere last year, and so there was a bunch of people in line. As walking through the line, there was a guy sitting on the ground with a new MacBook Pro, and he had t- attached Velcro strips to the side of the keyboard. And then on top of it, he had Velcroed a super clicky, you know, like 1980s era <laughs> keyboard. And it was, and I talked to him for a minute. It was a Bluetooth. It was one of those fancy ones. You know, you can buy very expensive clicky keyboards now. But it, he was very proud of the cherry blue switches and everything, you know. But he literally would open the lid and he'd Velcro a keyboard on the top of it. So maybe, Dave, that's the solution for you going forward. <laughs> I uh, I think I'm going to have to try that. That's a really good idea. <laughs> you got a recommendation I'll, I'll, there? I'll put a link in the show notes. Which, I, I wish I took a picture of it at the time, but I was you know I was in pre Star Wars buzz mode, so I couldn't really think. Um, 
so what what do you think, Greg? Is is Apple doing okay? I think they're doing great. I mean, I'm I'm happy with the stability uh, in the recent macOS and iOS. But I mean, I, I'm not a hardware guy, but I'm just completely in awe of what they're able to do on the hardware side. I mean, they're approaching shipping 100 million iOS devices in a quarter. I mean, that's just just an unbelievable, staggering number, and so little issues with them. It, it it's just boggling the mind. Um, and and then on top of that sort of the intersection area is the uh, CPUs on the iOS devices. I mean, they're just absolutely amazing and they just continue to up their game. I mean, part of me wonders, and, and I mean, you know, I have no insight into this directly, but the CPUs are so amazing on the iOS devices. Part of me wonders if the apparent slowdown for new Mac hardware is that they are going to do something on the processor level for the Mac hardware and that, you know, that's such a massive change that they're just seeming slow. And then when they do it, whoa, watch out. You know, I think that's actually a possibility at this point. Well, it certainly would be negligent not to at least explore the idea. I mean, because they have such a lead with that silicon. And I, and I can say, tell the audience, having attended WWDC for several years, that the last couple of years, and this last this 2018 in particular, uh, the, the opinions of these three developers is shared by almost everyone I talk to. There's a lot of people feeling really upbeat about it right now, which is good for us. So you guys are in the business of development, and we have a lot of, of younger listeners to the show that are often interested in maybe pursuing a career or looking into development as they go forward, and and some older listeners as well. Um, uh, so what do you enjoy most about software development at this point in time, um, Ken? I enjoy uh, new things. <laughs> That's always what I've enjoyed about this field, and it's fun to see you know each year uh, – the new features that become available, you know, like the one password autofill that, uh, that they just shipped or, uh, all of the new power that we got with shortcuts this year or with drag and drop on iOS last year. Um, it's, it's fun to see these platforms evolve and become, uh, more and more powerful and uh, the things that then we can do with them. How about you, Dave? What's uh, got you excited about software development these days? Well, we, 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 we talked earlier how like all, all of us are doing a lot more, stuff on the web nowadays right and that's actually got me really excited um i i really enjoy using javascript um i don't know why <laughs> i actually complain about it a lot <laughs> and so i'm always complaining about it but i actually really enjoy it because you're able to prototype stuff very fast you're able to iterate very fast and it's it, it, it makes your it's it's just an enjoyable I don't want to say enjoyable language, but it's an enjoyable development process um, to be able to change something and see it right away. It's, 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 it's really nice. Um, so yeah, in, in terms of like um, younger developers and, 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 you know, joining the field and stuff like that, I actually think JavaScript's a very good spot to start because you can, there's a lot of power in like a very small amount of, uh, a small amount of um, primitives or, or, or you can learn to do things uh, quite quickly and, and do a lot of stuff. And you'll be able to automate virtually all the Omni apps pretty soon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and you'll be able to write JavaScript for text expander. I mean, I, I, I make that recommendation often as well. Um, we talked about that recently on an like, uh, episode of the automators as someone wrote in 
And uh, I said, you know, get yourself somewhere to learn JavaScript because it feels to me for for people that don't necessarily want to make their living programming, but want to make their devices jump through hoops for them, JavaScript seems like a good solution. I don't, I don't know whether you heard, but this latest uh, CPU that went into the iPhone XS uh, has some optimizations in, uh, in it that make the math much faster for JavaScript. So suddenly JavaScript... Uh, code starts running, you know, fifteen percent faster. Serious, I think what they advertise, but some people are seeing it's more like forty percent faster. It's really well tuned for <laughs> for running wow. JavaScript codes. I, I had no idea of that. Nice. So, what about you, Greg? Are are you still enjoying it? I mean, Greg, Greg, for the audience that doesn't know, worked for Apple for a long time, and he's been you've been in this business a long time. Are you still jumping out of bed in the mornings? I am. I love it. Um, I mean, I love that there's a new challenge every day. Um, and I, I also love that I've had the good fortune to do a combination of running the business and I mean, w- with my business partner, Philip Garrett, and an excellent team. And then also having a chance to you know, occasionally uh, do some coding myself. And so, you know, every day brings something new to do. And, and I love that. And I suppose maybe you were saying, you know, speaking to your uh, younger audience who are thinking about getting started, um, you know, I think that consider also that in addition to the programming, there are tons of challenges that surround software development, including uh, design, including uh, business management, including project management. You know, there are so many different ways that you can participate in the development of a software product or a software company. But if, you know, on the subject of JavaScript, because it is really, it, it is something that's useful immediately to both TextExpander and, and the Omni apps. Are there any resources that you would recommend to younger listeners that want to start or older listeners? I, I need to stop saying younger because I, I hear from retirees as well that want to learn JavaScript. But the, um, is there a place you would recommend to somebody that's, that's brand new to it and may want to pick up a few tips or start learning some of that stuff? Um, Ken? I haven't really looked into this, but I feel like I've heard uh, of a number of good, like Code Academy or maybe Khan Academy has some classes. Maybe, yeah. Um, But uh, I think there are a lot of resources out there, but I have not really hunted for it. Greg or Dave, do you guys have any recommendations for people that want to get started with this stuff? Well, I think I mean there's there are a number of sites that are similar in nature to JS Fiddle, uh, which allows you to. Uh, sort of set up a multi-paned window where you can play with JavaScript, you can play with the corresponding HTML that that might represent your interface. You can add a library automatically, etc. And uh, you know, I think they've done a nice job with uh, JS Fiddle is hardly the only one, but it's the one that comes immediately to mind uh, for making this a, a bit more accessible, and then also for preloading things so that you can take a look at the structure of something and make changes and play with it, uh, you know, with, without, you know, when you want to just get in and try something. Do you guys have any thoughts on, uh, we talked about Apple doing pretty good the last few years. Do you get, do any of you have any thoughts on what their biggest challenge is going forward? Do you guys see any things that you feel like they need to overcome in the next couple of years? Sounds like that's a no. <laughs> well, don't, don't stumble, right? But that's hard. I mean, yeah, how, no, I how do you express that? I mean, don't, somehow don't make a mistake in 20 million devices at once, which seems like it's an ever-present possibility. 
Well, I mean, we all saw the the Samsung stumble with with the battery issue. Although people seem to have, what was it? it was Samsung with the Galaxies, right? Yeah, but they seem to have gotten over that. So true. And I mean, keep doing what you're doing. I mean, it's amazing that they're able to achieve the cadence that they can. Yeah, and really, the the problem with that advice is don't stumble. Is how do you innovate if you can't stumble? You know, it's like it, it, I think it's a much harder problem than people give them credit for. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by FreshBooks, online invoicing made easy. For a 30-day free trial, just go to freshbooks.com slash MPU and enter code MacPowerUsers in the How Did You Hear About Us section. To all you freelancers and free agents out there, you know how important it is to make smart decisions for your business. Our friends at FreshBooks can save you up to 192 hours with their cloud accounting software for freelancers that's ridiculously easy to use. Getting paid is important, and you need to hand that off to somebody that knows what they're doing, and FreshBooks is that company. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. There are a lot of features to FreshBooks. I just want to mention a couple. The first one is dealing with late payments. FreshBooks automates late payment email reminders. You don't have to go through your system and keep sending emails to your clients that are slow in paying. It does it for you, so you can spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic. And someone related, when you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks knows whether or not they've seen it, which puts an end to the guessing games. Sometimes I have clients that just don't see the email. That makes it really easy for me to remind them to pay it. If they've been looking at it and they still haven't paid it, that gives you a different set of data. But the important thing is that FreshBooks takes care of all of that for you. So if you're listening to this and not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. No credit card is required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash MPU and enter Mac Power Users in the How Did You Hear About Us section. FreshBooks just solves the problem of getting paid. We thank FreshBooks for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So we've, we've had a lot of time today talk, talking about some of your apps. I'd like to hear from you guys about some of your favorite apps that other people make. Uh, how about you, Dave? Are there any apps out there that have got you excited these days made by somebody else? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm going to pick two if that's okay. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have to say, I have to say bear. I think I say bear on pretty much every podcast whenever I'm asked this question, but I just, I really enjoy writing when I'm in bear. Cause like I can just, I, I can go full screen. It takes away all the distractions and it's like, it's just a comfortable, enjoyable place to, <clears throat> to write. And for this, for this call, like for this, for this show, um, it's interesting that they're subscription based, right? Because they actually don't run their own servers. They actually simply use iCloud syncing. And so a lot of people, you know, disbelieve that's not an app that could ever be a subscription, but they've, they've done exactly that. And they're, they're doing very, very well. Um, the other one uh, fits into that coding that we were just talking about is a uh, visual studio code. I, I know it's hard to pick a Microsoft one on the show, but still um, they did a very good job and, and it fits into the show quite well because it's it, it it runs on all platforms, right? So like when I switch over to my Windows machine, I can still use basically the same tools that I use on on my Mac, and so it's 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 really it's really nice that way. 
basically um, they, they wrote it once and it, it runs everywhere, which, you know, is, I'm, I'm sure, very useful for them. I'm sure Katie is going to be rolling her eyes as soon as I say this, but I just recently moved all of my notes into Bear and I'm running an experiment. Oh, of course you did. Oh, we are, we are not doing another note-taking show. I'm just saying. I'm telling you. The tyranny of Sparky and his notes app is not over. So One a year. <laughs> How about you, Ken? Are there any uh, apps uh, out there these days that have got you excited? Well, the thing I think that has me the most excited in the app space right now is seeing what people are doing with automation on iOS, uh, you know, particularly with all the new shortcut stuff and as people build new uh, things in that ecosystem. So uh, apps like Working working Copy, uh, which is a, uh, you know, it started out its life as just a way to check out Git repositories and, and let you save files there. But now it has all of this automation stuff in it as well. Or the uh, Scriptable app, which, you know, speaking of sort of JavaScript sandboxes where you can go do some stuff in JavaScript, uh, the, the Scriptable app um, is a lot like, uh, what was the uh, earlier one written by the same person that did? Pythonista. Pythonista yeah. Right? The, yeah the, um, it's, I think it's for JavaScript a lot like what Pythonista was for Python. And it's a, a nice, uh, easy to get into little tool for um using javascript and then you can hook it up into uh into these workflows so and it's got access to almost the whole device so it's a great way to experiment because you can actually make things happen yeah we're, we're going to be talking about that one in the future because I, I feel like there's a little quiet revolution going on i i, I was in the beta unscriptable in fact um we um we the uh, the automator show has a um has a discourse group and we uh, hosted the scriptable public discourse for that when they were going through beta and it was just like workflow where I was just holding my breath as to whether or not Apple would not look at that as an IDE and say, you can't make this. So, so they released it. Hooray. You know, that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that one up, Ken. We haven't mentioned on the show yet, but that's something you should be checking out. Um, uh, Greg, how about you? Are there any uh, third party apps that these days have, have got your eyebrows up? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I'm excited about, micro.blog actually and its sort of whole infrastructure i suppose uh you know disclaimer uh gene mcdonald uh, formerly of smile is is with micro.blog but uh, i think they're doing some great stuff in terms of building a community uh in terms of building apps and there's even starting to be third-party apps that access the service plus adjunct apps like sunlit and wavelength for uh audio so that that whole area excites me and then i think related to automation uh, i'm kind of excited about of by the YouTube videos from Matt Casanelli. So he used to be the document documentation writer for the uh, workflow team. And he's off on his own and he's doing some great videos on shortcuts, uh, series shortcuts and automation in general. I think you guys had him, had him on the Automators podcast recently, right? Yeah, we're going to get him on MPU at some point too. And we'll put a link in the show notes to Matt's feed. He's got some great stuff and just a super nice guy too. Well, guys, it sounds like everybody's feeling pretty good in 2018. I'm glad to hear that. So I want to ask a, a non-Apple, and it doesn't even have to be a tech-related question to, to kind of close us down before we leave. Um, what are you guys playing with now that is maybe not Apple-related and maybe not tech-related? What is maybe either an interest that you have or a hobby or, or just something that makes you happy these days? Um, Dave, I'll start with you before we, before we leave here. I guess two things come to mind. One is uh, 
rollerblading. I just really enjoy rollerblading. Uh, it's not overly useful for this call and for this podcast, I guess. But uh, uh, but it came into mind first, so I, I said that. Um, but I'm really enjoying Chrome extensions. Uh, you can you know just being able to extend the uh, the browser to do to do more, right? Um, we certainly do that for one password itself, but we are increasingly using that for like you know customer support right like there's certain things that you need to automate when you're when you're working with a customer and um, we do a lot of our support right in the browser so having a, a, a an extension right there um, it's it's you, you can do a lot of a lot of fun and interesting things Ken what about you uh, the biggest I guess thing in my personal life outside you know is uh, is music really so performing music, uh, practicing music, doing, um, enjoying music with, uh, my daughters, but, uh, you know, piano, choral type stuff mostly. Uh, and I'm also really, uh, excited about the new Doctor Who that just came out. <laughs> so. <laughs> so that's not till this weekend, right? As we record it, right? No, Dave, it's out. Even I, I just know watched that. it last night. Uh, <laughs> so. I thought it was next weekend. Okay. Well, I, I've, par- I've purchased the season. So we're ready. My wife is ready to cosplay the new Doctor Who. She's very happy. She can finally do that. And if you're listening to this when the show comes out, the second episode will be coming out tonight. There you go. Greg, what about you? What makes you happy these days? Uh, I love to run. Uh, so, you know, when, when just to be able to go out, run, and kind of tune out everything. Uh, you know, I think we I sit in front of a screen, you know, a good chunk of my day. And so that's sort of a, a nice way to wind down. And then maybe like in the very short term, something that I'm really looking forward to is we're doing a, a little group trip down to Cambria for the Scarecrow Festival. And that's coming up in a couple weekends. So uh, Cambria is a, a small town uh, in the central coast of California, and they run a competition uh, during the month of October where businesses and civic groups put up scarecrows and they're themed. And so there was the Back to the Future scarecrow and there was the Amelia Earhart scarecrow. So I love the creativity and it's just a super fun thing. I'm looking forward to it. Just for a minute there, I had this vision of all the runners dressed as scarecrows. And <laughs> totally unrelated yeah, those running, are, sorry. Those, those, are, those are two separate yeah, things. Yeah. And, and I was terrified. <laughs> Yeah. See, I thought I thought you were going to maybe say see food uh, say food because I do. It seems like um, some many of your tweets that I see nowadays are, are food related. It looks like you're you're making scrumptious things <laughs> or someone's making scrumptious things. I don't know. True. I, I do enjoy cooking. Also, that's true. Well, guys, where where can we uh, where can listeners go to to find out more about you and and about your uh, respective companies if they want to learn more information or, or follow up on anything. Uh, what's what's the best way for people to get in touch with you, Dave? We'll we'll start with you. Uh, Twitter Twitter is the best uh, spot for me. Um, so just D tier uh, on Twitter, and for one password, it would be onepassword.com. Okay, Ken. For the, our company, omnigroup.com, and uh, for me personally, Twitter is probably also the best choice. So that'd be my first initial and last name, like much like Dave. So K case K C A S E. And Greg. So for the company, it's smilesoftware.com. Um, and then for me personally, I'm Mac Greg, M-A-C-G-R-E-G, on micro.blog and on Twitter. I just wanted to thank you guys once more for coming on. I know you're all very busy. But um, uh, on behalf of the audience and uh, Katie and I, we're all Mac Power users. We like to get our work done, and we know how hard you guys work to help us do that. And thanks for your time today, and thanks for all the great stuff you've been making for us over the years. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
All right. Uh, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU. You can check out our forum over at talk.macpowerusers.com. Um, and uh, we will see you all next week. Bye.